This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, May 23rd, and today we're going to be looking at the latest from the NBA Conference Finals Plus. We will be continuing our fantasy season in review with a look at the seventh round of fantasy leagues from last season, this past season, this season you might say, where there are some intriguing names to consider. We're also going to bring you the latest of Dr. A's Tales from the Attic. That is coming up a little bit later on the podcast. To do all of this, I'm joined by Steve Alexander, a, a road-weary Steve Alexander. Steve, I understand you took a bit of a road trip this weekend. You basically just got out of your car to do this podcast. Am I exactly pretty right? much, pretty much. I it's why last week I was confused as to when I was on and who was filling in and and all of that. But I I, I had a uh, my niece who was born and raised in Alaska. I've only met one time. Really? Well, moved to Indiana to do her senior year of high school. Graduated from high school. Okay, she graduates today. In fact. So the, the big graduation party was this weekend, and me and my children loaded up the old Wagon Queen family oh, truckster. Family truckster. Nice. Rolled up to Indiana, ate some Skyline chili. Yep. Spent some time with the fam. Uh, always interesting. Always a good time. Nice. Had a great weekend. Nice. I just love that every time you go somewhere now for all eternity – no matter what vehicle you're driving, I will be picturing you driving the car from National Lampoon's vacation. Oh. And I, I don't want that image to ever be erased from my mind. Let's keep that in there forever. Yeah. Fun fact, Golden Tee, the Golden Tee Facebook page here, that guy posted a picture from number 17, Matt, on okay. Rocky Hollow Golf Course. Uh-huh. The Wagon Queen family truckster is wrecked in the desert behind the... Wow. Behind really? the 17th green. I did wow. not realize. That's I did not realize. I did not realize that the the truckster is part of Golden Tee. That's, gotta be some meat. That's your favorite hole of all time now. I've got to go find it now. Yeah. So when yeah. I, when, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to yeah. Johnny B's and I'm playing Rocky Hollow and I'm going to find yeah. the damn truckster, get my own picture <laughs> of it. As opposed to normally, when you finish this podcast, for a change, you're going to play some Golden Tea. I like it, Steve. I like, I like where you're, you're mixing at. it up today. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think that's smart. All right. Well, Steve, you may want to mix it up because we're now going to get three games to nothing. Tough times there, Steve, for your Dallas Mavericks. Any thoughts from you? I mean, I guess my thoughts are how, how, what a farce the number one seeded. Phoenix Suns were if they can't beat a one armed Mavericks team I mean I, I don't know I, I it's Luca and a bunch of guys trying to beat the Warriors and that that's not going to work I don't yeah. know how they beat the Suns I, I don't know how that happened they have no big men to speak of I'm going down with the ship Matt I'm still wearing yeah. the hat um, I'm glad I'm not a big gambler because um I probably would have lost a lot of money on the series, but I, I just expected more of a more of a fight from my boys. But I just feel like Luca's out there just so undermanned. So Spencer Dinwiddie had twenty six in this game. Uh, Luca had forty points, eleven rebounds. Uh, he's now two and six in his forty point playoff games in his career. Mm -hmm. But do you think the Mavs miss Porzingis like I, I in, in right now? Have you thought about that? I just thought about that for the first time. As I, as I saw, Spencer Dinwiddie had a great game, but do you think that you mentioned they don't have a big guy? They have no, and not that Porzingis is like, you know, the most the, the biggest interior threat in the world. But do you think they're missing him right about now? I mean, it's a it's a good question. Would they have beat Phoenix if they had Porzingis instead of Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie? I I mean. 
I feel like Dinwiddie helped them win that series. I don't know if Porzingis would have, but yeah, I mean, I, they need someone who is going to rebound the basketball and yeah. play inside. And Davis Bertans, as my buddy Zach said last night, as we were sitting here watching that, what a waste of seven feet. I mean, he just shoots threes. Doesn't really do anything else. He um, drove. He drove in for a dunk last night, and the place went absolutely nuts. Ever, no one could believe what they just seen. <laughs> I, no I mean, one. It was shocking, shocking <laughs> to see a seven foot man drive a dunk. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe they they. I mean, they miss. The thing is, when they made that trade, I was like, wait, they just traded their big man really their only legit big man for another yeah. point guard. And they already have two pretty good point guards. So now they have three plus Frank Nielakina plays a decent role for that team too. So that's four point guards and you can't, you can only put two big men out there and they're both extinguished after five minutes. Like, I, I don't know. I have props to props to, um, your boy for the the dunk of the oh dunk of the playoffs right that um, was it Wiggins Andrew Wiggins holy man holy cow that was that was pretty shocking that was incredible I mean you saw him winding up and I was like no he is not he is not about to try that and then he threw it down I got up I literally got up out of my seat there's not a lot of times <laughs> that a play will get me out of my seat at this point in my life but I did and then when I saw that they'd called an offensive foul I started yelling no no and my wife was like what what's wrong what's wrong like she thought something was actually wrong and it was but then they fixed it so and what of a course I was like was. I was like he punched him right in the face of course that's a foul <laughs> uh, I was like this is a travesty that is not an offensive well, foul I am glad that um they let the dunk stand because it, they erased that. Yeah. that. We cannot wipe away a dunk like that from the history books. I mean, no, no. we cannot. It's one of the best in-game playoff dunks I've ever seen. Maybe the Man, best. Man, it was it was it was phenomenal. And then he, he and then he had like a lefty tip dunk a few minutes later that seemed kind of routine in by comparison. But it was a nice play too. Pretty cool to see Wiggins, you know, unleash that that you know beast that's there, you know, because. Obviously, a guy who has had kind of, I don't know if up and down career is the right word, but he's just, you know, he's kind of turned into a role player for the Warriors. But then you get reminded, oh, wait a second. This guy was like an uber super prospect who is still pretty young. And uh, they were talking on the broadcast like there's still more in there. The Warriors still feel like they can get more out of this guy. So fascinating stuff to see him play like that. To me, he's the MVP of this series. Yeah. The Western Conference Finals MVP, which is good for Andrew Wiggins because basically we've, I don't think we've really, we're really guilty of it, but I feel like everybody is just making fun of him for being an, an all-star starter uh, yeah. this year. And now he's, he's kind of having the last laugh. I mean, he's been really, really good. Of course, Curry's been really good. Clay, yeah. Clay's been hit or miss, but, but pretty good. Uh, Draymond's out there just, Chirping away, chirp, chirp, chirp. Looney, Kevon Looney is is balling too. He's been man. awesome. Kevon Looney's been a difference maker. But you know, man, I feel like you or I could go out there and rack up twelve rebounds against. Oh nope, against nope. the Mavs, we we could do it. Not me, Steve. Not me, Steve. I averaged about two rebounds a game in my rec league. So when I when I played in a rec league in New York, so well, I am I am sort of like a maverick, also in the fact that I only stand out at the three-point line with my hands up waiting for the ball. Yeah. I, I don't really I yeah. don't venture into the paint very often. Maybe I maybe I could get one or two rebounds. But Yeah. Yeah. The I've, got down for zero. I've got you down for zero in this particular environment, but I like I like where your head's at. Well, you and I just need to have a sports weekend. We need to go bowling. We need oh, to play golf. Okay. We need to play hoops. We need to play some Wii. We need to go play some golden tea. We okay. need to drink some beers and maybe throw the baseball around if my shoulder oh, ever what a weekend. Ever heals. What a we weekend. We just need to do it and videotape the whole thing. Bring the okay. crew uh the NBC sports crew out from Stanford, Connecticut, 
They can videotape the whole thing. They'd love that. I'm record sure. the whole thing. I mean, I'm sure it's in the budget. We can do uh, it. No doubt. No doubt. This would be one of the top line items in the budget, I think. We're just there's waiting for us to green light the dates. So So Tyler Hero, Matt, is not yep. going to play this evening for the Heat. Oh wow, okay. Got a groin injury. Okay. There's Jimmy breaking Butler, news. Jimmy Butler says he is going to play. Yeah. Marcus After Smart s- is hurt. Marcus Smart, we think, is gonna play though. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I and, when I saw him go down and scream like that. I thought he was done for the for the playoffs. Now, I should say the update last update we had before this, which is almost 24 hours old at this point, is he the Celtics will see how he feels on Monday before determining his status for game 4. I mean, it so it's possible he sits, but I mean, I, I don't know. We will have to check back on that one. Tatum is probable. What a weird game that was. What a strange 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 game with Butler leaving early. With Tatum seeming to get hurt, Smart seeming to get hurt, they both returned. It's, it's a weird game. And Jimmy Butler was ruled out for the remainder of the game, and I was like, "That's it. He, the Heat are going to lose," and they still won. Yeah. So, well, I guess we're putting, you know, the Gabe Vincents and Max Struces into our DFS lineup. Steve, have you retired from playoff DFS? Are you done? I, I threw in a. I was in a dollar one hundred man contest yesterday. Okay. I walked away with three dollars. You're back. That's at least three more. Three more entries. Is that how you're going to play it? Well, they suckered me back in for five dollar Friday, man. My boys and Keelan won like thirty dollars from us. I was like, hey, that was fun. I'm really glad I did that. Now I don't have enough money to play next Friday. I do now, though. I won yesterday, so I, I'll probably, I'll probably get that, back in there on Friday. I'd like to see you get back in there. It's all, it's all time. about time, my time management at this point. Like when uh-huh. I was in Indiana, running around doing stuff, and I didn't really DFS wasn't a priority. I didn't have time to sit down and deal with it. When I'm sitting in my office waiting for a, a game to start, and I'm bored. Yeah. Oh, all day. I'll put some money yeah. in and set lineups and. Crank it out. Nice. Well, they've got on FanDuel, there are the single game ones, but then you there are also some two-day contests where, you know, two games. And it turns out Who has into, the patience for that, man? I mean, that's you're talking about today and tomorrow. Are you kidding uh, me? Yeah. Yeah. But then you had but then you had yesterday's and today's overlapping with today's and tomorrow's, and it's get immediately gets impossible to keep track of what you've got going on, which is all the better. I'm all I can't for it. do it. I can't do it. All right, uh, we're going to get to the seventh round of Fantasy Leagues coming up in just a second. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. A reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League on the PGA Tour, and the NASCAR circuit. Steve, the last six weeks, believe it or not, we have gone through the top 72 players in nine-category fantasy leagues based on their per-game averages. Today, 
we boldly tackle the seventh round. Are you ready? Absolutely. I mean, I've never been more ready for anything in my life. Great. Great. So I'll just recap the parameters in case you haven't been here for a few weeks, or this is the first one of these you heard. We are doing this on per game averages and we're including regular season only. That's our starting and ending point. And 73 basketball monster is where we're that's yes. I think you'll find that the Yahoo rankings are pretty close, if not exactly the same, but yeah. Okay. Number 73 is D'Angelo Russell, Steve. He averaged around 18 points, three boards, seven assists, a steal, 2.73s. When I think about D'Angelo Russell, I feel like we're in an odd place with this guy's career because it's like, is he serviceable? Is he intriguing? What is he, Steve? Is he, is he, where are we with this, with this guy in terms of fantasy? I mean, he is serviceable. He is intriguing. Is he though? I feel like he's more serviceable than intriguing, I guess, is what I'm driving at. I'm always intrigued. I mean, I just feel like the the potential for greatness is always there. Do we get it very often? Not really. Where is he going to play next year? Mm -hmm. Is he going to stick around with his best friend in the world, Mm -hmm. Carl Anthony Towns? Is he going to go somewhere else? I don't really know. I I mean, Russell's a guy that if he's sitting there in round seven or eight, and I need a point guard, I'll take him. But yeah, I don't exactly have him circled on my on my cheat sheet, Matt. I mean, I don't I don't know why. I mean, he's only just turned 26. I don't know why. 18 and 7 is pretty nice. I guess there is a point where he's quite a value in draft because if other people feel the same way I do, you're just kind of like, ah, whatever. D'Angelo Russell is kind of a not a guy you forget about, but not a guy you're reaching for. He might he might become a draft value at some point. The 41% shooting was rough. Yeah. yeah. That was that was difficult. But good turnovers this past year, only 2.5 per game. That's really good for a, a fantasy point card. It is. Not bad. So I have no problem with him. I guess he's just not a guy that I'm thrilled about. But again, maybe that make that maybe that's what makes him a potential value. Number 74. I, I think I think oh, yeah. I think not bad sums up the D'Angelo Russell experience. Yeah. Eh, not bad. Yeah, hey, eighth round pick, not bad. His numbers are kind of like what we would expect from Mike Conley a few years ago before uh, Father Time seemed to start catching up with Conley. <laughs> you know, like put him down for eighteen and seven, and he, he's just—he's going to be solid. He's going to be a, a good, solid fantasy point guard. Bradley Beal was seventy fourth. Steve, that's kind of a shocking headline from this past season because this is a guy we're so used to seeing as like a borderline top fifteen guy. Around 23 points, 4.7 boards, 6.6 dimes, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks, 1.63. Now, one note I wrote down about Beal when I was preparing this is this guy used to be an Iron Man, Steve. Remember, it's kind of been up and down for him in terms of games played. At the start of his career, a lot of injury issues, but then he had a three year stretch where he played in 77, 82, and 82 games. Since then, though, the last three years, 57, 60, and 40. He'll be 29 next month, Steve. I'm officially. Scared is too strong a word, but I'm a little nervous about Beal's uh, outlook. What are your thoughts? Well, you, you didn't mention the fact that he only played in 40 games this year. I did. Did you? I said I slipped in. There was a lot of numbers, but yeah, I okay. did. Okay, well. Worth worth reiterating. So on a per-game per basis, he was yeah. a seventh-rounder. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct, yes. So with his total value, when you add in all those 42 missed games. Yeah. He's probably like a fifteenth rounder, something I, something be, ridiculous be down there. Yeah. If you drafted Bradley Beal in the first or second round last year, you mm-hmm. probably lost your you know what. And <laughs> your I, I am out. I'm out of the Bradley Beal game. His his leg always. There's always something wrong with Bradley Beal's leg, whether he's healthy or not. It's always a thing. Or and wrist, I think this year. Well, this year it was a risk, but his leg's not right either. So I've never been a big Brad Beal guy. Like, I like him. I know he can score. I know he can fill it up. I know he he does it all. He's a good fantasy player because he fills stat cats. But I I can't do it. He's going to go way too high for me to to gamble on. Yeah, I'm just nervous about the, the durability concerns that we're trending in the wrong direction there. And by the way, every time i play in a salary league a salary fantasy league 
um, I always, always, always without fail accidentally get a guy where I'm just trying to drive up the salary. I'm like, you know what? That seems a little low to me. Let me, let me get a little more action going here, make people spend more of their money. That was Bradley Beal this year in the, in the league I play in with Jared. I was immediately like, it was like the second player I got right away, really early. I was like, I already ruined my team. It was. Dude, that is, that is the best thing about a salary draft is, <laughs> is you bidding up a player that you think everybody else wants just because you don't want anything to do with them. You're like, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll go $12 or whatever on him. Yeah. And then it's like three, two, right. one, oh. sold. And you're like, Most no! Love- and <laughs> for me, that guy is usually like a Paul George is yeah. where, where where I get hit on that. It's the most lonely feeling. I did it I did it too with Olenek in that <laughs> league. <laughs> it was like everyone was making fun of me. Did you I think was like, I was in that league? Did you forget where I, you were? I can't remember what happened. You must have I think thought I was, I was still in. a little you delirious off of the. There. I thought you were in there. I was a little delirious off of the finish he had with the Rockets. Because if I was in there, you know, I probably would have outbid you, and you. you well, one guy okay. was bidding. One guy was bidding pretty aggressively. It was. It wasn't that high. It was like at eight dollars, and I put in nine. You know, <laughs> I was like, this guy, man, this guy's all in. He got basically. I got played. You know what I this mean? This guy's going up to twelve. I mean, he, I know he extracted. He had made like three bids in a row, and and somehow when I got to nine, he stopped. I was like, come on, man, you're not gonna go to ten. I was only making three, one bid. Two, <laughs> one, sold. And you're like, I got, I got Evan Mobley for less. Let's just put it that way. Oh man, <laughs> who That's we will tough. talk about? Who we will talk about in a minute. Number 75, Gordon Hayward. Now, a similar story here in terms of durability. The the fantasy numbers are fine when Hayward plays. Around 16 points, 4.5 boards, 3.5 assists, a steal, 1.83. He's only played in 49 games, Stephen. He's 32 years old. I couldn't think of that many more players I'm more nervous about in terms of durability than Hayward. I mean, he's up there pretty high with all those second-rounders that we talked about a few weeks ago. I just can't get over how old he is. You know, I... I think back to watching him playing back-to-back Final Fours with the Butler Butler mm-hmm. Bulldogs. What was that like? 2010, like 12, 13 years 12? ago. Let me let me go double check. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Twelve, I gotta say. Yeah, and uh, I, I just can't believe he's as old as he is. I can't believe he's how injured he's been in his career. Like the worst was watching him at local. Former home of Golden Tee in Dahlonega, the end zone, which is no longer uh, with us. That's where the Golden Tee machine used to be. That's when I fell in love. We were watching him that day. He broke his ankle oof, in game oof. one of the NBA season. and like He's never been the same since. Good player. Yeah, I, lo- I like Gordon Hayward. I always root for him. I have zero interest in having him on my fantasy team. And you were right, by the way, about 2010, just for what it's worth. Well, you nailed it. Good job. Squirrels and nuts, Matt. You know what you know what they say. <laughs> Number 76 is one Herb Jones. Uh, the rookie had a pretty interesting season this year. It was mostly powered by 1.7 steals and, and 0.8 blocks. The rest of his stat line is not anything you get excited about. 9.8, 9.5 points, 3.8 rebounds, two assists, 0. 0.7 threes. I mean. If we're gonna, if we think that Herb Jones has the potential to improve as a scorer, and he's gonna have those steals and blocks, giving him some fantasy floor, I like him as a fantasy player. I'm willing to draft him, but I don't think I'm willing to draft him in the 70s, Steve. It just feels like there's more upside to be found here at this part of your draft. What are your thoughts on that? I think the field goal percentage and the free throw percentage are also nice for him. He doesn't turn the ball over because he really doesn't have the ball in his hands ever, unless he just stole it. I mean, the word that comes to mind with with Herb Jones, not to not to be too cute with it because we say it with everybody, but I mean, how intriguing is this guy? Like, he's sort of serviceable, very I say serviceable, <laughs> very intriguing. Um, yeah, because he's so young. Like nobody drafted Herb Jones yeah. last year. No one. Yeah, he might have been the guy that was picked up the most off waiver wires over the course of the season. Because he wasn't drafted in a single league, and he was picked up in every league at some point. So, mm-hmm. very intriguing. 
there's a long he has a long way to go. He has a lot of a lot of time left to develop his game and and do something other than just be a steals steals guy. Um I dude, I kind of like him. I, I feel like I feel like if round 10 rolls around and Herb Jones is sitting there as opposed to older guys, like I like taking young players and he is a young player. Yeah. Played in 81 games last year also, Matt. I I'm I'm in on Herb Jones. I'll draft Herb Jones round nine or ten. My my hunch is you might not like he might be gone before then, but probably um, will be. Probably will. I don't know. But we'll if see. he's we'll not, see. I'm yeah. I'm in. Okay. Number seventy seven is Marcus Smart, who during the regular season averaged around twelve points, four rebounds, six assists, you got one point seven steals, one point seven threes. I imagine Steve he's going to need to go earlier than this in fantasy league. I don't think we're going to be sitting there in the seventh round, you know, just grabbing Marcus smart. I, I feel like, you know, after some of these big games set in the playoffs, I mean, this, the steals and dimes alone to me pushes him up a couple of rounds from here. Most likely, you know, my, my buddy Zach was sitting next to me last night watching basketball. And he's like, dude, talk to me about Marcus smart. Like, really doesn't do anything all year. You never hear his name. And then he wins the defensive player of the year. And suddenly he's like a fantasy force in the playoffs. He's just become this monster in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and like, where, where did that come from? And um, he's sort of doing the things that D'Angelo Russell has never done for us. And it's, it's kind of true. Like his play, he is playoff ready. Like he's a guy you want in the playoffs, like Jimmy Butler, Mm-hmm. And Marcus Smart, those are your playoff performers. I don't. I'm. I'm not a big Marcus Smart guy, especially when they've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum doing everything they can do in the regular season. I. I don't know, man. I mean, would you draft Marcus Smart with your seventh round pick? With my seventh round pick, I would. But I. I, I think he's going to be. I'm going to guess he's going to be higher. I mean, yeah, I'm guessing he's going to be gone closer to something like that. Well, that's good and, and, because then I won't have to worry about it. I mean, and there, I think I too am out just because I like the stat line overall. But you know, I love the steals, but you're getting 12.6 assists and a couple of threes. You know, is it worth it? I don't know. It's <laughs> it's, it's a tough call. I, I think he's valuable, but I just I think he's a, his name his name pushes him a little higher than probably where he should go. I'm guessing. Interesting, because even when I hear Marcus Smart's name, I don't think ooh. Ooh, like I need that guy on my fantasy team. Ooh, okay, Marcus, well maybe he's gonna be in. Maybe he's Marcus, gonna be in the seventh round. It's Marcus Smart. I gotta go get him. I he might be there in round seven. I I feel like though, like you said, his playoff performance and like Zach said is like, why didn't we see this in the regular season? I think this run in the playoffs will probably boost his value, and somebody's gonna overpay um, for Marcus Smart, and I hope it's not me. Like, I hope you and I don't get in a bidding war uh, trying to juke each other on Marcus Smart next year because one of us is going to not be happy. That's how that turns out. Okay, number 78 was Josh Hart. And again, per game numbers, he missed some games, but around 15.7 rebounds, four assists, a steal, and 1.43s. One contract note on this guy. His contract will be guaranteed for next year if he is not waived by June 25th. So the next month becomes interesting for Josh Hart. Um, but either way, I, I just think he's an interesting fantasy guy, Steve, and could end up being a forgotten fantasy guy. I just I just think maybe because of the contract limbo a little bit, maybe because of the change of address. He's just I don't know, like and he you know, he had he showed his upside with a 44-point game last year, which was just incredible. 44 points. Eight rebounds, six assists, four steals, and six threes back on March twelfth. He just seems like a guy who might slip through the cracks in the middle rounds and is worth uh, not forgetting about. Do you like Josh Hart, dude? I draft Josh Hart every single year. He's always like one of my last round picks. Yeah, because I know that that forty four, eight, six, and four with six triples is in there somewhere. You did? You knew that was in there? I did not know that was in there, dude. What's so great about Josh Hart is he went, went, okay, so he gets traded to Portland, right? And gets there and he goes off. 
23, 27, 22 in his first three games uh, because everybody else was hurt for that team. No Damian Lillard, no whoever. And so CJ McCollum is gone. So he's going off. And then he, then he just goes, disappears for the next five games. Right. 12, 11, 10, 6, 5. Then on March 12, like you said, that 44-point explosion happens. Then he scored 31 with 7 and 4 and 4 triples in the next game. Then he had 17-5-3. Then he had 25-5-7, 26-3-4. Like he turned it on and was suddenly a monster again. Uh, and we, I know that's in there. I will always draft Josh Hart at the end of my draft. I'm not taking him in round 7, though. All right. Well, I, I, again, I don't think I think after what he did last year, I think he's kind of leveled up, Steve. I don't think you're getting him at the end of your draft. I hate to break it to you. Good, it's fine. <laughs> That's like a recurring theme. We need a break. We've been we've been together a long time. Okay, number seventy nine uh, in the great tradition started by Jalen Horde last week, who snuck into the sixth round in a very limited number of games. Frank Kaminsky in a nine game <laughs> sample was a. Seventh round player last year. Nothing I don't think to see here, Steve. Are you prepared to move along? Because I am. Any words I'm you want to say about I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to say his name. <laughs> Number 80. We move to Christian Wood, who in his 68 games, I believe, averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds, a couple assists, 0.8 steals, a block, and 1.9 threes. Now, 80 feels low for Christian Wood based on the fact that the year before he was more like an early round guy, I think if I remember correctly. And we also drafted him earlier than 80th, but when you punt free throws with this guy, he jumps all the way to 30th. He moves up 50 spots. So, I mean, overall, I still like the player a lot, especially if you're building your team with that in mind, with shaky free throw shooting in mind. The tricky part is he's now entering the final year of his contract. The Rockets have the number three pick in the draft. Probably that's means they're drafting a big guy. So there are some tricky question marks we have to navigate with Wood, Steve, and hopefully we'll have a little clarity heading into the season. But if he's still there on a probably bad Rockets team in the final year of his contract, I'm nervous about drafting him um, for the trade, shutdown, possibility, et cetera. I don't understand how you got through all of that chatter you just threw at us without <laughs> mentioning the name Alperin Shengun. I was, I was letting you do it, Steve. I knew you were going to do it. You're going to let me have the Shen, Shengun glory? Yes. I mean, is Shengun going to ruin Christian Wood at some point? Is Christian Wood a power forward and Shengun's a center? I don't know. I still can't tell. Are the Rockets going to go full blown Oklahoma City youth movement and just keep tanking and keep getting picks? I don't know, Matt. I I love Christian Wood. Like I I feel like he's one of those indie bands I discovered in like 1981 that nobody else knew was in existence. And yeah, like he's sort of my guy. Like I loved drafting Christian Wood in like round four or five in the past. And like yeah, I just stole him from y'all. He's a baller, but he's just he's he's a really good player. Like you said, if you. If you're on a free throw punt, yeah, you get Luca with your first pick, and then you get somebody else who can't shoot a free throw with your second pick. Maybe you take Christian Wood third or fourth. I don't know. He's not going to be av- available in, in the seventh round in drafts. That that much I know. What indie band would you like in Christian Wood? What would you call Christian Wood if he if he were an indie band? Which which indie band comes to mind? Oh oh, dude, I, I've, I've got the uh, the promise ring. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. There it is. Nice. I love it. Look them up. All right. They, they had an incredible album back in the day. I don't remember back what it day. was called, but man, it was so good. The Promise Ring. Chris Promise, Ring. The Promise Ring. Number 81 is the aforementioned Evan Mobley, who averaged as a rookie 15 points, 8.3 boards, 2.5 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.7 blocks, 0.33 pointers in that last category I mentioned only because he's not starting from a zero there. You know, he could become a an asset in threes in fantasy. And Steve, I did a little research on this one. I looked up players who have averaged at least 15 points, eight rebounds, and one and a half blocks at age 20 or younger. Are you ready for this list? 20 right. years, 20 years or younger, 15 points, eight rebounds, one and a half blocks. The list is Shaquille O'Neal, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Weber. Elton Brand, 
Kevin Garnett, Joe Smith, and Evan Mobley. That is a pretty relatively select company there, Steve. There's some good players on that list. And I think what we have to assume is this is a guy who could make a monster leap in year two. Yeah, and Joe Smith, I remember, was the reason the Minnesota Timberwolves like lost draft picks and got blind. I think that's like, right. There was some right. some shady shady was it deal. a tampering thing or something? Well, this, tampering. This, this is, something went down with Joe. Deep Smith. into the archives for that. Like one. Joe Smith yeah. doesn't really belong on that on that list. With that, I mean, that is the one name where you you know it's kind of a it's a list of guys who are in the Hall of Fame or have Hall of Fame potential. And, you know yeah, what else struck me about that list is I heard you say the the name Chris Weber. Chris Weber. And I just suddenly got sad. Like I miss Chris Weber. Like we need more Chris Weber in our lives. Yeah. I, I need to go watch the the Michigan 30 for 30 sure. right now. And as soon as we're done here, that's what I'm doing, Matt. It's raining. Whoa. Johnny Before Beast Golden is team? closed. Well, Johnny Beast oh, okay. is closed on Mondays. I'm just gonna oh, okay. go find the Fab Five 30 for 30 right. and okay. just soak in Chris Weber glory Deal. for two Deal. hours. Evan Mobley, yeah, man. I mean, this guy's not going to be there in the seventh round. He's not going to be oh, there no. in the fifth round. When when does Evan Mobley go in our in our draft, Matt? Our video show live draft that we're going to do in October. Where is Evan Mobley going? My initial reaction was he's going to go in the third round. I was going to say the twenty fifth pick. Okay, so we're neither of us is. That does both align in theory, Steve. We're playing a twelve-team league. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, yeah. We the floor is fifteen and eight with you know almost two blocks and assists too. I mean, what it's I don't even know. All? I don't even know if that's the floor. The floor may be more like eighteen and seven. Right, but the floor is the established floor is what I mean. The floor we've seen. I think. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go to. I don't know. 19 and 9, 20 and 9 with over two blocks per game and some assists and, and some more threes. I mean, he, you know, there there is great potential here. That's that's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what else we can say. He's he's gonna go in the third round of your draft, and you just have to live with that. I couldn't I, be, I couldn't be more excited to draft him, Steve. This this is where we could end up losing a lot of our salary in the salary cap league. You. I'm not I'm not going all in on Evan Mobley like okay. you are. It sounds like you're going all in. You're like he's going to be on your team come hell or high water. I'm getting I'm I'm trending that way, but I mean I'm not quite there yet. It takes a lot to get there. Matt, the promise ring the promise ring was an American rock band from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. They're recognized as part of the second wave of emo. They uh-huh. were formed in ninety five. They broke up in two thousand two. Okay. Uh, yeah, that is that pretty much. That's a pretty good call by me. Who who did I compare them to? My Christian Indy Rock, Wood. Christian Wood. I would have there been thrilled if they had been out of Houston, but you know we can't have everything. You know. Oh, that would have been good. The album that I love, the only one I I ever had from them was called Very Emergency. It's solid, start to finish. It's it's a great record. Pitchfork. I think gave it like a nine or something. That's why. That's why I went ran out and bought it. Of course, because I was a big pitchfork guy. Okay, we have three players left on this list, and this last guy is this next guy is by far the most intriguing guy left. It's Wendell Carter Jr., who is eighty second on a per game basis, Ooh. averaged fifteen points, ten and a half rebounds, almost three assists, point six steals, point seven blocks, one point one three. Steve, I'm gonna, we're going to play this game right now. How old is Wendell Carter Jr.? Twenty. 24. Good effort. He's 23. But the point is, still extremely young. Feels like he's been around a while. The Magic have the number one pick in this draft. We don't know where they're going with that yet. We we assume it's going to be a big guy. But I think Wendell Carter Jr. is versatile enough to play alongside whoever they get. Mo Bamba probably has gone from Orlando in free agency. Bottom line is, I, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is a, is kind of a fun guy to, to draft in fantasy this upcoming year. And I don't think you're going to – I mean, maybe you can get him in the seventh round. And he's a guy who maybe has a higher ceiling than that. I don't know. I, I, he's solid, I think, at worst, and with some upside still. He's a, he's a fun, fun guy. 
fun guy to fun guy to have in fantasy. The fact that Christian Wood and Wendell Carter Jr. finished right on top of each other in the rankings is really disturbing to me because unlike Josh Hart, I did not know that Wendell Carter Jr. had this type of ability inside his body. I mean, we saw him play for the Bulls and never really saw him blow up. Now, not one yeah. time that I remember. He had, he had his a, moments. He had some stretches. He had some injury problems, too. He had a 30-16 and 16 game with two steals and a block uh, in March. He had a ton of 20-point games in February and like he he was just balling out every night from February mm-hmm. till the end of the season. He was very reliable, very good. And I was like, this is the reason the Bulls drafted him so high. I just never saw it in Chicago. So props to Wendell Carr Jr. Unlike Christian Wood, I don't think his name carries the same appeal as some of these other guys we're talking about. Right. Round six or seven, Wendell Carter could be sitting there. And I, I I mean I'm I'm in. I will I will draft him if he I will draft him appropriately all year. We don't we haven't really talked about any guys. You know, I'm famous for reaching these guys in the seventh round we're talking about. I I'm none of these are on my reach list, I guess. Right. Maybe Evan Mobley. I, I don't think so. I'm letting you do that. He's oh, he's okay. yours. He's okay. yours. He's on your reach list. Okay. Uh, I, I'm probably I'm probably not bold enough to take Evan Mobley. But I will gladly wait for Wendell Carter Jr. to fall into my lap and Josh Hart, all these guys. Like these are, yeah. If they're there in the seventh, I'm I'm on this. I like it. Okay, last two guys. We don't need to spend long on these guys. Number eighty three is Draymond Green, right around seven and a half points, seven rebounds, nearly seven assists, one point four steals, one point zero blocks this year. Only played forty seven games. He's thirty two years old. We know the Warriors are in the middle of a deep playoff run. I mean. I'd certainly be concerned about his games played next year, which I think goes without saying. So, Steve, I mean, I think, yeah, like if I, I, I there's probably a point when in this in this in this thing where you would take Draymond Green, but I, I'm probably not going to have him on any fantasy teams. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jared Johnson draft Draymond Green every single time, and then just wait for the trade offers to roll in. No thanks. <laughs> Okay, 84, the last guy in the seventh round is Norm Powell. Kind of had an odd season. I mean, he averaged 19 points per game. The rest of the stat line, other than 2.43, is there's not a lot to see there. Three rebounds, two assists, 0.9 steals, 0.5 blocks. He's about to turn 29 years old. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, in theory, fully healthy to start next year. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. Like I, I think Norm Powell needs a certain amount of volume to get it done, and... Or it's dangerously close to like a points and threes situation. I'm just not excited about this. You you were excited when you heard the name Norm Powell, though. I do like Norm Powell. And Matt, let's look at his average scoring over the last five years. Mm-hmm. 16 points in 2019. 19.6 in 2020. That was with Toronto. Then he got traded to Portland. 18.7 in Portland. And then... For the Clippers this year, 21.4. Like he, he's always under the radar. He's always good at steals. Except, I mean, for the Clippers, he only averaged 0.4. But before that, it was 1.0, 1.3, 1.1, 1.2. 1.2. I don't know where the steals went last year. He, mm-hmm. he had a career high in block shots last year with 0.8. I know that catches your attention with that. But he only had a five-game sample with the Clippers, too. So, right. But he's a steals guy. He he gets decent blocks. He's a decent three-point shooter. He's averaged two or more threes with his last five teams, or last five stat years. I like him. I like Norm Powell's a late flyer. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'll take him in the seventh round. I don't care. <laughs> All right, Steve, we're at the end of the seventh round now. For anyone listening on the podcast, before we go – to the Tales from the Attic episode. Any final thoughts from you on this whole, this everything we talked about today? It's fun, man. I love doing this, and it, it gives us something to talk about. It like we basically we're breaking down our random, ill-prepared thoughts on 
every player you might draft this upcoming season who's not a rookie. So it's very yeah. fun. I, I'm really looking forward to round eight next week. All right. Good deal. And if you're listening on the podcast, Tales from the Attic is coming your way right now. It is Dr. A meets Deion Sanders. So that is coming your way right now. It is time once again for Tales from the Attic with Dr. A. Strange but true stories from the world of sports and Dr. A. Professional athletes and Dr. A collide. And Steve, I can't help but notice for this one, you're wearing something I've never seen you wear before. That appears to be a Falcons Deion Sanders jersey. Is that where we need to start this? Well, I don't put the jersey on a lot. I don't want to wear I'm not a jersey guy. I've got a lot of jerseys. No but I don't wear them very often. But I felt like since Dion is sort of the heart of this hodgepodge of baseball stories, that okay. it, it was appropriate. Now, I'm a little worried about you to kick things off, though, because I know that your stress level goes up when you see some moron wearing two different teams' it's, stuff at the same time. Now, I've got a Braves hat on, yeah. a Braves hat on and a Falcons jersey. What, what does that do to your blood pressure? It, it's it's going up. It's going up. I'm upset. I'm a little worried. Uh, it, it hurts my eyes and my soul. But we're gonna press. We're gonna press on. I will say though, and you have to you have to admit this. Since Dion played for both the Falcons and the Braves, yes. at the time that this whole thing went down, it's acceptable more than it's not acceptable. I feel that's like. actually true. That is actually the loop. You found the loophole, Steve. You have found the loophole. And I just want to say before you launch into this. Deion Sanders was the hero of my youth as a kid who grew up in Atlanta. That was the guy for me. I was very into the whole Deion Sanders experience. So me too. On. And I think I think you're gonna like this story. So let, let me just start off by saying I grew up in Indianapolis and there were we didn't have a baseball team. We had a minor league team. We didn't have a football team until the Colts got there when when I was older in high school. So I spent all of my youth watching professional sports, mostly in Cincinnati, sometimes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I went to see the Braves play almost every time they went to Cincinnati. My uncle Don, Uncle Don had uh, season tickets, and he would sure. hook me up right there on the first baseline. I saw David Justice hit a home run in 1991, October 1st, when the Braves were one game behind the Dodgers that kept them in that hunt. They ended up winning and beating the Dodgers that year, going to the playoffs, going to the World Series. Matt, some people call that 1991 World Series the greatest World Series of all time, even though the Braves lost. And they may not have been there had Justice not hit that home run because Joe Oliver hit a grand slam off Charlie Liebrandt in the first inning of that game that I was at. And the the Braves are down 6-0 after one. And they came back to win on a Justice homer. Uh, Dion was at second, and uh, they put him in as a pinch runner. And it, it, it was the highlight of my live sports life. And I remember having this Braves jersey on and just running up and down the aisles screaming when he hit that home run. So that happened. Cincinnati fans were thrilled with you. They were so happy. And and then also I was there in 1993, right before the Braves played the Reds when Tony Perez got fired. And we were staying at my buddy's apartment at one Lytle place, which is right across the street from Riverfront. And ESPN was there interviewing Tony Perez in the lobby of the place I was staying. And we were the only ones there. So we hung out with Tony Perez for like an hour on the day he got fired. (laughs) And he was so nice and so cool. So with all having all that said, the Braves were playing the Reds in, I think it was August of 1991. I just got, just graduated from college. My brother and I rolled down to Cincinnati. We took a camera, an old, big, heavy camera, uh, a baseball, and I had a Braves jersey. My brother and I partied with my buddy at One Lytle Place that night. We got up the next day, walked to the Hilton in downtown Cincinnati, and I don't know how I knew the Braves were there. I don't think I did know. I think we were just taking a shot you in could, the dark. You could sense it. You could sense it. I could you're, sense you're it. Stalking, your stalking sense told you somehow to go to that hotel. Well, and I was really out of my element here, Matt, because, you know, in Indianapolis with basketball, I knew where everybody was going to be. I knew where the buses, I knew everything. Uh, Going to Cincinnati and dealing with baseball, I, I, I never really tried to meet baseball players before this day. So we're walking to the Hilton and uh, I'm checking Matt, I'm wearing a fanny pack. All right. 
That's how oh, wow. that's how desperate of a situation this was. Oh no! I had my baseball in there. I had pin, you know, my sharpie, okay. whatever, whatever else I had in there. And uh, we get halfway, we get about to the Hilton, and I realize I don't have an ink pen, and you don't have a baseball signed in sharpie because it'll bleed. You just don't do that. Ah, okay. Good knowledge. Good to know. Pro tip. Pro tip. So I stop at a bank and I go in the bank and I grab one of their free pens. Take it with me. Now I've got a pen. We get to the Hilton and there's literally 75 to 100 fans standing outside waiting for the Braves to come out. Oh, wow. All right. And I'm like, well, how are we going to do this? How am I going to get inside the hotel? I can't, I can't work under these conditions. I can't be sure. out here with yeah. these people. No. I'm a professional. And my yeah. brother and I, my brother and I walk right into the Hilton and sit down on a bench like we belong there. And nobody says a word to us. And Skip Carey comes off the elevator. Okay. Legendary Braves announcer. John Schmoltz comes off the elevator, right? And I stand up, open my fanny pack, get the ball out. I'm like, hey, John, would you mind signing this baseball? So John Schmoltz signs my baseball. Okay. Like, this, is, this is off to an incredible start, right? Incredible. Me and my brother are the only people inside this hotel. Everybody else is outside. And then Tom Glavin comes down and he's got his game face on. He was pitching that day. My bro I talked to my brother about this before we did this. I said, what do you yeah. remember about that day? He goes, I remember Glavin looking like he was going to murder somebody. Like he was in the, <laughs> he was in game mode and he did not care. And once he said that, I still remember that Glavin signs the same baseball. So I got smoked. Wow. Glavin's like, excuse me. Is that a fanny pack? <laughs> Glavin did not say a word to me. He didn't say a word to anyone, dude. He was focused. Steve Avery comes off the elevator. One of my favorites, even though he wasn't as good as those two guys. Comes off the elevator. I'm like, Steve, will you sign this baseball? Bam, he signs it. I've got okay. now a Major League Baseball signed by those three pitchers for the iconic yeah. 90s Braves. And I'm so psyched about it. Uh, like, how could things go any, any better than this? They couldn't. I'm like, this is incredible. And we, my brother and I keep looking at each other like, when is security going to come over here and tell us we have to go outside with all the other people? And they never did. So we're sitting there. And, dude, the, the whole reason I'm at this hotel is for Deion Sanders, right? Mm -hmm. The elevator doors open up. He's standing there in this ridiculous suit that I'll show you. Like, this was prime time, prime time. Primetime, primetime. Ridiculous suit. He's got the shades on. Oh, yeah. He's got packages of, sh he's been shopping. So he's got like boxes tied with strings in both hands. None of his hands are free, Matt. So even if I had one of these pictures that for him to sign, he would have had to put his stuff down. I don't think he would have done it. No, you can't. You're not asking Dion to do that. What I am asking Dion to do is, Dion. Can I get my picture with you? My brother's right there. He's going to take it. He's like, okay. Like he couldn't, he, he was very not enthused about it. Yeah. So he's holding these packages and I'm standing there like leaning up against Dion, like with a big cheesy grin on my face, a vulgar boatman, which is an indie band t-shirt on a Braves yeah. hat backwards. I weigh about 120 pounds less than I do right now. I look like I'm about 16 years old standing there waiting so it's just like looking at my brother and my brother's over there doing one of these oh no and he's, he's working the lens like fiddling with the, the lens. lens fiddling with the lens cap he's fiddling with the lens and you know these are old school cameras so you don't even know what it looks like when you're done so he he's pushing the button and he's like dang it oh no dang it and i i hear dion go <sighs> This and is I stressful. feel that I can feel the tension building up. I'm like, Dion's going to turn and walk any second. I'm like, yeah. Dion, just a second. It's coming. He's got it. He's got it. I'm like, Gary, Gary, take the picture. And when I asked my brother about this, some people might know the Manute Bull story. When my yeah. brother also took a picture of me and Manute Bull, when Manute Bull told him not to do so, and then right. chased my brother through a hotel. So my brother's having flashbacks of Manu Bull tracking him down and now Dion is going to rage on him or whatever. So anyway, long story short, finally he snaps off one picture and Dion goes, there you go. And I'm like, thanks Dion. And Dion walks away and I'm like, Oh my God. So I'm like, 
it's just, it was a very nerve wracking experience. Yeah. And so you got the picture, you have the picture, right? Well, the picture got taken. Now it's in the camera. We have no idea. It could be triple exposed. It could be, right. it could just be blank space. You, you don't right. know. Um, you don't know in those days. So we go to the game, get back home, drop the film off at the old photo lab, right? Oh yeah. Photo mat, get it back. And this is what was there. Oh baby. And you can kind of see my fanny pack there if you if you look closely. Yeah, you uh, can you don't you don't even have to look that closely. You can definitely see it. But that's Dion and I. Even though it looks like he's a cardboard cutout, uh, that's him. And honestly, Matt, I've got Dominique Wilkins' game worn shoes. I've got Isaiah Thomas' game worn shoes. The whole Daryl Dawkins thing. This Dion picture is up there as high as anything that I have. Like, I'm so pleased with how it came out. I remember picking up the film and seeing the picture. I was like, yes. So, so that whole thing happened. Now, the end of the story is not quite as it doesn't end quite on the high note that it started on when everything oh, wow. was falling into place and everything went perfectly that day. First of all, Matt, remember when I went to the bank and got the free pen for the baseball? Of course, you were arrested um, for that. No, but essentially. Oh no! These are those autographs because the magic, magic ink. What happened? There's nothing uh, on that they baseball. Just faded. They just faded away. Faded oh. away. After a year, that baseball that was legendary turned into just another baseball that my son and Ouch. I could go out and play catch with. So that's the first bummer. But okay. I don't really care. I'm okay. I I know okay. what happened. I did it. Whatever. Secondly, the year 2000, Matt. Nine years later. The sure. Lakers are playing Portland in the Western Conference Finals. It's a night game. Deion Sanders is playing with the River Bats on a minor league rehab assignment for the Reds. Okay. He's in downtown Indianapolis, and I live in Indianapolis. So I watched the first half of the Lakers game, time it up with when the game is going to end, zip on down to the Wyndham. I was sure Dion was staying at the nice hotel in downtown because yeah. there were new hotels since I was – doing this in the eighties and the only option was to hide. So I go down the window, walk in the lobby. There's not one person in that hotel lobby, except for me and the concierge okay. and, and a guy checking people in. So there's three of us. It's 10 o'clock at night. A limousine pulls up out front. I've got this picture, the big version of it yeah, uh, in my hand. And I just want Dion to sign this picture. That's all okay. I want. Okay. I've planned this out impromptly and incredibly well Dion walks in the door his oh, wife man. his wife Pilar and a young kid or two are with them Dion goes and talks to the concierge Pilar walks over towards where I was sitting in the lobby and I'm like well here we go I mean how how is this not going to happen so I stand up with my picture I start walking over to Dion and she sees me and she goes uh-uh and I'm like what do you mean she's like no He's not signing that. And I'm like, really? But it's a, it's just a picture of me and Dion. He'll sign this. It's not like I'm going to sell it. It's a picture. No, it's just family time. This is family time. He's not signing that. You're not talking wow. to him. And I'm like, seriously? And she's like, yes. She's like, you need wow. to leave. And so I'm kind of like Jeez. looking at Dion. I want Dion to like make eye contact with me because I think <laughs> if Dion was there by himself, you know, this is a done deal. But she literally did not let me get anywhere near him. Matt, the only time I've put my tail between my legs and walked out of a hotel or an yeah. NBA arena or anywhere else with just feeling like I completely failed. Wow, you zipped up your fanny pack and walked right out of there. I did not have a fanny pack on at that moment. But uh, yeah, I stood. The picture's still not signed. Dion. I, I've only met Dion those two times. and uh, Unreal. You know, I think if Dion had to do over again, he'd be like, yeah, I would have signed that kid's picture. There's still time. There's still time, Steve. Maybe we'll get it signed. Let's work on that. Okay. If you were listening on the podcast, hope you enjoyed that one, Steve. And Steve, to you, sir, uh, we're going to say goodbye. Matt, I will see you later. I will see you next weekend with the NBC Sports production team for uh, Matt and Doc's lost weekend of sports and beer. 
There you go. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back here on Wednesday and Friday this week. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live. Steve, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.